Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Dream Design Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Lee Westervelt. And today I have a super exciting guest. I am so tickled that she's here. She's an organizational strategist and even a recruiter too. Emily Perrin is joining us right after this. You're listening to the Design Your Dreams podcast with Amy Lee, the show that challenges you to stop chasing your dreams and start designing them. Each week, I invite powerhouse creators who have built their dream businesses to come and share their words of wisdom and stories of courage. It is my hope that through the journeys of these incredible dream builders, you too will be inspired to design and build a life and business beyond your wildest dreams. Well, hello, everyone, and thank you so much for joining us here on the Dream Design Podcast. As I said, I'm Amy Lee Westervelt. I would love to hear where you're joining us from. Um, There are people joining us from all over the world, so feel free to comment, say hi, let us know where you're coming in from. If you guys have questions when we bring Emily on, feel free to ask those in real time. She's going to be so excited to share. But as you guys know, we bring folks, let me put my microphone where I could actually hear Uh, where you guys could hear me, but um, we bring folks who designed and built their dream businesses, and Emily is no exception. So ladies and gentlemen, welcome with me, Miss Emily Perrin. Welcome, Emily. Hello. Hi. I'm so excited to be with you today. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, and I'm so excited to have you with me today. So we have that in common already. Um, So Emily, you are a perfect example of someone who has built their dream business, right? Like you literally Mm -hmm. are living the dream. So tell us a little bit kind of about where you started, where you came from, and how that evolved Mm -hmm. into your dream business. So I actually, I spent almost 10 years in the corporate world, and I worked first in event planning and then in marketing. But I... I had this educational background in psychology. So I did like a psych and English undergrad. And then while I was in the corporate world, I um, I got a master's degree in industrial and organizational psychology. And at, like in, in the corporate world, I was a hiring manager. And I was also just that person that got tapped in to go to like to help with the hiring process. So I was like that go-to person that would sit in on interviews. I would review resumes, help pick candidates, all of that. And then I'd help too with onboarding too, like, like with the whole process. And so I was really into it and loved it. And then I left my job for career coaching. That's how my original business started in career coaching around 2015, 2016. And uh, I loved that because I wanted to help people more with like meaningful work and purpose and all of that. And and then I hired early, right? Like I hired my first virtual assistant pretty early in my business because I had all this education and experience and hiring. And I was like, I know how to do this. Like I, I know what I, I've got this. And then it was like, oh, freelancers are totally different. <laughs> and what I was doing wasn't working. Like the traditional ways that we learned about hiring don't work as well with freelancers. And so and and there was no one teaching on it. And so uh, I first just set out to understand it for myself. And then after a couple of years, I'd really gotten it down. My business friends started asking me for help. And that's how I got into recruiting and doing more organizational strategy work. And now, now that's what I do. So no more career coaching phase is over. And now I'm fully into more of supporting entrepreneurs and business leaders in small, especially digital businesses. So I do a lot of like creative business owners, food bloggers is where I've been, where I've done most of my private work. So they're all very, very creative group of people. So 
And I love that you brought that up because as a creative myself, as a high achieving creative, right? Because that's really what I am. I think a lot of times our message gets almost like muted by the fact that our inner imposter syndrome and our inner like, I'm not doing this right. Like I have my, for lack of a better word, head up my butt. I can't really figure all this out. And so what we end up doing, and I don't even know if you realize this, but what we end up doing, so here's some insight for you. Um, we end up, you know, diminishing our message of what it is we're trying to convey because we're so down on ourselves for not having skills that don't come naturally to us, mm -hmm. right? Like I am a really powerful activator. I'm not that organized. Mm -hmm. And so if I was to judge myself on my organizational prowess, I'd probably give myself maybe a C plus, maybe, you know, a, a D, um, in organization naturally. But again, that's where we go and we find those people that help us build those strategies, really kind of strengthen those organizational muscles. And so someone like you comes along and is like, hey, I see this, you know, from the integrator perspective as opposed to me from the visionary perspective. And here's how we take your idea and implement it. Right. And and I think that's another thing too is that when it comes to strategy, that's such a four letter word, right? Strategy mm -hmm. is just so like, oh, like I have to, like mm -hmm. there's a process. And we even sometimes get in our heads about, well, let me ask you this. Do you find that a lot of your clients, especially the creatives, do you find that they get in their heads a lot about integrity versus strategy? Like this idea that if I have it all planned out, then it isn't organic, right? Or like I can't have my content ahead of time because then it means that i wasn't thinking of it in the moment like can you talk yeah. a little bit to kind of yeah authentically strategize yeah i think part of that is so i think part partly why i don't see a lot of that is i think my people my clients are already through that phase right so by the time they're bringing someone in like me they they've worked through that process but i definitely see that that is something i'd say and and while i agree with what you were saying what i would add to that is where i see these like really creative entrepreneurs struggling is more in like the permission to outsource like if i don't like it and i don't want to do it they feel bad asking someone else to do it but they're not realizing like someone else has that skill set like that work makes them come, like scheduling email newsletters makes them come alive like this is real i have i have seen it in my business like this is what i do right like matchmaking business owners and freelancers like that that is like the greater challenge that i see is it's more of that permission piece it's they they want to be organized they want to like batch they want to you know have things planned out and be more organized but they're they're blocking themselves by not giving themselves permission to get that support i love that so for you know the sake of of being the the uh example martyr here um, let's take my business, for example. So you said you've been in my group for a while, right? You see kind of mm -hmm. what I do. Walk me through as an organizational strategist, what, you know, if anything, just because I know you know me and, and they know me, what would be some like suggestions that someone like you would have for a business like mine? 
Well, I would first want to see your organizational strategy. So what does your team look like right now? And then who do you want to add in the next one to two years? And I think this is a continual process. I think this is something we're always doing as business owners, because even if it were just you, like if you were the only person in your business, you're still wearing all the hats. You're doing all the jobs. The jobs still exist. I think sometimes we think like, oh, we don't like, like, we don't think that way. Right. So that, that would be what I would be looking for is like, who, who's on your team right now? What are they doing? How satisfied are you with them? Like, do you like their performance? Is it working? Is it not? What needs to adjust? You know, sometimes, you know, we'll bring in a contractor, maybe a social media manager. And over time they end up taking on other things because they can do them, but they're not that great because they're kind of outside of their zone, zone of genius. Um, if their zone of genius is social media management, market, you know, social media marketing, and they're like scheduling your email newsletter, like, yeah, they might not be awesome at that. And it's it's because you need like different specialists covering different areas to really be successful. Yeah, no, that makes so much sense. And and definitely. And I I think sometimes when it comes to hiring people, especially again, I'm going back to those creatives, right? We make it so emotional because we're the ones doing the hiring, we're the ones, you know, like, oh, but she has babies to feed. And it's like, that's not always the best business decision. So again, bringing in someone like you, who's like, okay, we saw these three candidates, this one has this, this one has that, you know, it just kind of takes the the emotion out of it a little bit too, which I think is really necessary in business. Cause if not, mm-hmm. then, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've gotten burned in business because I took a chance on someone because they had a need and they didn't necessarily fill my need. Right. So I definitely think that, um, that that's something, something really amazing. So going back over to you a little bit, you were talking about kind of where you came from and building your dream business. And so what I want to know is when you were building this business, when you were deciding that you were the CEO, you were the owner, you were, you know, the one in charge what were some of the deal breakers things that you were like this will not happen in this business and what are some of the things that you felt like really needed to be present yeah i think i think one of the big ones was i had an um mantra i guess or a kind of a motto i guess would be a better word of burnout is not an option so like the corporate world was very burnout heavy for me and i knew that when i switched to uh, like in a more entrepreneurial path that that I was like, that's not happening again. Like that is not an option. Like we have to figure out how to do this and like keep myself sustained. <laughs> not like, cause I was like, if I burn out in entrepreneurship, what else is there? Like what, what am I going to do? So, so that was a big one. I think the other piece was from the team side. I really wanted to be more holistic. I think there's just, there's like a lot of toxic stuff happening in the corporate world that I saw lots of politics. And so I just wanted it to be more, more performance based. Like if you're a high performer, awesome. But if you're not like, if you're not the right fit, I'm not going to keep you on forever. Like we're going to talk about it, try to work through it. If it doesn't fit, then we're moving on. I'm moving on. Like, and I do hire, I do tend to hire kind of slower and then I fire quickly if it's a bad it's a bad fit. 
not like I give people chances though. So it's not like, you know, sometimes the fire fast thing gets like criticized, like, oh, you're not really giving people chances, but no, like give them a chance. Like I, I try to do like a trial of like one to three months in that, in that early window to make sure it's a good fit and offer more support and training. But then. No. And I think that's great. And again, going back to what I was saying before, people like us need people like you, right? Because and, and, it, and it's not, it's not a pass the buck thing. It's just, it's about, you know, the person that's in a better position to look at it analytically and mm -hmm. say, well, you know, since so-and-so came on, we really haven't seen any growth in the business. It's not personal, right? Like it's not about that person and that they need to go live in a, you know, an ostracization city or something. It's just about the performance for that. And at the end of the day, it's like, you can have lots of friends or you can have a successful business, right? Like you can, sometimes you're going to alienate people because they're not necessarily the right fit and that's okay. I mean, I've had situations like that too, where, you know, I've had someone who worked for me, they did something that was completely off the wall, crazy. And then I had to be like, this isn't, you know, a good fit. And obviously for me, I was, I was really wrapped up in the emotion of that. Whereas you'd be like, nope, that's it. And, and that's why people like me and people like you complement each other so well, you know, because like yeah. I bring that creative piece and you bring that integrative piece and it's really, really powerful. So yeah. um, I know we have lots of folks watching out there on all the various platforms. If you guys have questions for Emily, feel free to drop them in the comments. And if you're watching live, uh, let us know in the comments so we can welcome you. But um, Okay. So Emily, so tell me, so you said you work a lot with food bloggers. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't even know what that is. So people who go to restaurants and then oh, take, what is it? No. Oh, food blogging. It's amazing. Okay. You know, when you go on Pinterest and you're looking for like, I need a fall salad. And then you get all these websites. Those a lot of times are just run by a person. So I think like one of my clients, uh, bless this mess, Melissa, like she's a real person with like a thousand recipes on her website that she has built. And then like those websites are then like supporting these families and, and their small teams. You know, a lot of times they'll have like contractors and, but like, think of it like any cookie recipe, salads, dinners, like anything you're searching on Google or Pinterest, you know, any of those kind of search platforms, that's a food blogger. So some of them also write cookbooks. They're so creative and they're so knowledgeable. Like their tech knowledge is amazing. It's really cool how they blend those two worlds of like hyper creativity and like the photography and the cooking and the recipe development. Like I think I like food and then I hang out with a food blogger and I'm like, no, I have like no food knowledge compared to that. I'm like, I can't even boil an egg. <laughs> properly. I hear you on that. I mean, I can't, like, I can, like, if my husband, like, gets a cold or something, I can probably feed the kids for one night. But most of the time I'm ordering takeout because it's just, yeah. And it's funny you say that about Pinterest because I have, like, you're going to make fun of me. I have, like, 900,000 views of Pinterest a month. And I have no earthly idea why or what to do with it. Like, I, I put my I put my posts up there. I, I repurpose my Instagram. And then I stick the things and I'm like, I I get these things all the time trying to get me to collaborate and people asking, you know, um, to people saying people tried my pin and I'm like, I don't know what there was to try, but good for you. 
So it's just so interesting, like you said, the tech knowledge that people have that is so above and beyond anything that most of us could even fathom. So let's say we've got folks watching. They're kind of in the infant stages of their business. Maybe they're just looking to make their first hire. They're looking to kind of just start to branch out. Tell me like kind of what would be like some best practices or like first steps if you have a business that's successful enough to bring someone in, maybe not full-time, maybe part-time, what are some things that you would recommend that they look at and or kind of examine um, to, to kind of go in that direction? Yeah, I think it's important to really start with you. So especially if this is like you're more of a solopreneur right now, um, to really start with yourself and understand what do you love to do in your business? What makes you come alive? Why are you like, why are you doing this work? Like, why does this business exist? And then noticing those things and then starting to notice how you're spending your time. So I highly recommend like before you're like putting a job posting together, you're actually tracking your time to see like what's not getting done. What do you love doing? What do you hate doing? And then you start you can then start outsourcing from a more informed perspective because we do need that data to make the best decisions because then you can build your organization around that. And I always recommend adding, like having a vision of like one to three roles that you would add in the next one to two years. Like, and, and like money's no limit, right? Like money is not a barrier. Like what kind of team would you put together? Because I think that helps us then step into like, who do I really need? And so I always recommend also like thinking about like the greatest pain points, like outsourcing that, um, outsourcing things that are like, that are causing you to miss opportunities. Like if you can't pursue things, especially revenue generating activities, if you just don't have the time to do them, you know, how, what needs to shift? I mean, that's, that's the best starting spot. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think um, one of the biggest mistakes that I made, I actually wrote an article for Thrive Global about this, but um, one of the mistakes that I made in my business, so I used to, you know, I was in network marketing and I was making stupid money. I mean, I'll let you use your imagination. It was just dumb. And what I would do is I would go find someone to do something for me, but I didn't necessarily know how I wanted it done because I'd never tried to do it. Right. So what ended up happening was, I'll tell you this funny story. There was this gentleman. So I worked in the clothing, you know, uh, MLM. Mm -hmm. And so I, I knew this photographer and I said, Hey, can you do me a favor? Can you go take pictures of all the clothes upstairs? Um, you know, and I'll pay you whatever an hour. And so he came down in like an hour and a half and I expected him to have like 300 done. And he's like, yeah, I got like 20 done, but I got to go home and color correct them. And I'm like, like, that's no, no. Like I needed you to just take snapshots of what they look like, but you know, it, it's all about delegating versus abdicating, right? Like it's not just, hey, go do this thing. I trust you, which is what I always messed up on, Emily. Mm. I would just assume that because that person claimed to be an expert in that field, yeah. that they knew what they were doing and I could leave it up to them. But because I didn't know what I wanted and I hadn't taken the time to learn how I liked it done, I would end up with like a subpar product and be like, this isn't, this isn't what I wanted, but I just assumed that that person was the expert and knew. So how do you, how do you recommend that, you know, business owners get themselves up to par on their own business? So when they bring someone in, 
like, cause obviously you don't want to go learn all the skills. Like, right. Yeah. Like if you're going to find someone who's an Instagram person, you don't need to learn all the ins and outs. If you're going to hire someone for web design, you don't need to learn WordPress, but how do you kind of get to that, you know, that sweet spot where you know enough about what you're doing or sorry, what you want someone to do, that you're not just assuming they know what they're doing. Yeah. And I, I think it's actually really more, it's not about like, I don't think there's any point for that. I think it's more about a feedback loop once you have the person in. So in your example, like the tweak I would suggest in that scenario is to check in after 10 or 15 minutes and give feedback. And that's why the onboarding classes process can be kind of slow, but it's worth the time it takes to really bring people in right. So it's like checking their work, right? Giving an assignment, asking them to do something, checking in, giving feedback. This is how we build trust. And this is also how you get a chance to react, even if you're not you're not an expert. So that, that means, I think the great news about this is it means you don't have to go learn all the things because sometimes that advice is out there, right? Like you have to know what you're doing before you can outsource it, but that really holds people back. So instead, I think about it as like, like, I think of it almost like stair steps. Like I don't, when I have a new contractor, I don't just turn everything over to them. I give them like a, one or two small projects. So they get some wins. I get some wins. I get to see how they're working. I mean, this is also how I can decide, like, are you the right fit still? I mean, those first few months are still a trial, whether you call it that or not, <laughs> like it, it, it is right. Not you, you, but like all of us, like, everyone is that way. So talk to me about team synergy, right? You've got somebody that comes in and then you're hiring a new person. Like, do you find that there, is there a lot of personality balancing or do you feel like because of the nature of it being online, does a lot of that get weeded out? Do you feel like you have to kind of deal with everybody's, you know, moon cycles, if you know what I mean? <sighs> Yeah, I think I do think the virtual nature of the teams that I work with does help with some of that. You don't have there's not as much interpersonal communication happening. So and, and also like with freelancers particularly, which is what I've specialized in, they're also more siloed. Like they're in their own little worlds, right? Like social media isn't really talking to uh like the email marketing person necessarily. So um, there's not like you, you kind of lose out on some of those dynamics. Like they just kind of become irrelevant. Like there's a lot of drama, I would say, because. Which is always a good thing. <laughs> there's not even a group. I mean, it's just like for me and my team, I have three contractors and they each just report to me individually. There's a little bit of cross communication occasionally, but they each have their parts in the process and they do it. And then we all like, I'm the one interacting with everyone. So I love what you said going back because I'm like processing it about, you know, what is your ideal team look like? Not worrying about money. Right. And that's kind of like a big part of what dream design is too. Right. Like if you're designing your dream business, like what does what how does you being supported look? And I think that's a really crucial thing. And, you know, I've, I've obviously I've spoken to lots of OBMs, I've spoken, spoken to lots of, of business managers. I've never actually heard somebody speak about it that way to say like, what is the ideal look like? And then how do we almost like operate in that reality? Right. So like if you had an email marketer, what would that look like? What would the emails you'd be getting from them be like? 
When would you have meetings? Like start to really flesh out that process. Would I be having weekly meetings with my whole team? Great. When would I do that? How long would it be? When would, you know, what would I be doing? What would be the products of those meetings? And really kind of hashing that out for yourself so that the universe or its higher mm -hmm. power, the reticular activating system has the opportunity to go scan the field to find those things, to bring them back to you, to echo what you're creating. Yeah. And I love that you said that because you know you know me and and the law of attraction and the law of assumption and all those goodies. It's just so great to see that come from that organizational space, right? Because mm -hmm. there is an an aspirational aspect to organization. Yeah, exactly. Well, and and I think so many people are skipping that visionary stage of it. Like they're not envisioning how they would feel. Like, how would you feel with this ideal team in place? How would you feel with each of these contractors? What would they be like? And then it also becomes, there's also practical sides to it. Like there are some signals we need to put out there so these people can find our jobs. Like I'm always advocating. Sometimes my clients will like question me with like, oh, do I really want to put like kind and optimistic in the job posting? And I'm like, yes, because then those people are going to like find you. They're going to know like you are for them. They're, they're going to be like, oh, she gets me. Like I am like, everyone says I'm optimistic and energetic and, you know, so you have to like, think about those words, like some of those core desired feelings, some of those like ideal characteristics that resonate with you. I All while keeping in mind, like you don't want to hire someone too similar to you, like really getting compliments. Cause otherwise you just, you duplicate your weaknesses, you increase your strengths, but you already have those strengths. So just like that doesn't work. So that's kind of the line we're walking here. Hold on. I'm writing another pro tip. Keep talking. <laughs> Hire people who compliment you. We've had two pro tips. We've had give feedback and hire people who compliment you. I love them both. Yeah, I definitely think you need to do a live or something for your people on aspirational organization. Like, I think that's an mm -hmm. Emily thing. I think we just branded it. There you go. Okay. Perfect. Um, that's super. Yeah. I'm writing it down. Thank you for that. Thank you. Um, yeah. And I, I think that's so crucial too. Like, I think just, just really getting a handle on what, what will that feel like? What will it look like? How will it change what you are doing? And really just expanding into that as your reality, right? Because you're like, oh my gosh, if I had that, then this would be happening. Like, mm -hmm. this would be how I'd be supported in that way. And I think that's so powerful. We have so many people watching. I'm so excited. Um, what other questions do I have? Oh, right. So tell me, how can people um, get a hold of you? Yeah. So. Um, so I have tons of resources and everything you can think of on my website, emilyperron.com. It's P-E-R-R-O-N. Oh, there we go. emilyperron.com. And then I'm also on Instagram at emily.perron. That I, I love that platform. It's my favorite. I, that's where I go live. That's where I respond to my DMs. So people send me questions and I, I can. So that's, yeah, that's where I'm, that's where I am. This is what I do. I, I just jam on this, right? Uh, I'd say also my big thing right now is I'm doing more and more around zone of genius because that concept is like, it's what I've kind of built everything on. Like all of my hiring stuff is because of like zone of genius. And I- like, Where was the big leap for 90% of our life, right? Like right? I feel, yeah. The, right, but the I, I reread it recently and I was like, 
Yeah, I just reread it. And I was like, okay, the first half, amazing, upper limits, I was on board. And then I read the second half and I'm like, I don't, I still think he's not getting tactical enough or practical. Like his examples are all based on executives, you know, these like, you know, they're making millions of dollars a year. They're in very traditional careers. And so that's where I'm like, that's where I'm excited next. Like that's where I get to go next is like, okay, how can I bring this out and help more, more like heart-centered, creative um, spiritual entrepreneurs figure this stuff out for themselves, which is literally my audience. So you're doing that right <laughs> now. Look at that aspirational organization done. Mic drop. You are amazing. Emily, are there any last words or anything else that you want to leave our audience with before we let you go today? Yeah, I guess I just wish someone had told me that that you can do it this way, that you can, you don't have to start with a full-time employee. You don't have to grow a gigantic business before you can afford some help. I, I really wish someone would have told me like you deserve support because there were a lot of doubts in my early days. And there, like I said, there was no one teaching how to find freelancers. And so that's, that's what I'm here, here to do now. Like I can't stop. And I'm so passionate about it. <laughs> Powerful, powerful stuff. You deserve support. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I love that. I love that. So you guys, if you are looking for help scaling your business, starting to scale your business, getting ideas for how you can scale your business and how you can really start to streamline your process, really kind of get out there and do all those things you want to be doing. No, you can't be doing email marketing while you're also doing social media, while you're also doing podcast appearances, while you're also doing all these things, you are one person. And you are not an octopus. So you need someone like Emily to help you kind of take apart. What are all the things you want to do? Let's put them all on the table and let's strategize how we're going to get the most bang for our buck, you know, monetarily as well as energy and time-wise. And that's what Emily is a genius at. That is her zone of genius. And we're so glad that she was here today. So thank you so much, Emily, for spending time with us. Guys, check her out. She's amazing. And uh, I look forward to hearing more from you and, and you know, feel free to uh, engage in the group. If you guys aren't in the group and you want to ask Emily questions, maybe you want to cheat on your current organizational strategist and you don't want them to know, you can go in my group to uh, Dream Building Entrepreneurs. That's facebook.com slash groups slash unstoppable dreaming. So if you have questions that you want to ask her, you can do that in there and not feel like, you know, you're you're going to get uh, caught. <laughs> so that being said, thank you so much, Emily, for being here. Thank you again for having me. This was such a delight. Oh, I agree. I had a blast. And that's going to do it for us this week for the Dream Design Podcast. Until next week, may you be happy, may you be healthy, may you be safe, and may you be at peace. Namaste. Oh.